what is up guys this week we talk about f-35s to turkey something that finally is not food aid additionally we talk about freezing aid to israel why would we do it what are some of the arguments for and against it and uh, what would happen if we did lastly we have an awesome new sponsor guys you guys are not going to want to miss it stay tuned for a special offer in the show Okay, guys, so this week we're going to be talking about some interesting stuff, and we're going to be talk- talking <laughs> words. Uh, we're going to be talking specifically about some cases that uh, debaters can expect to see at Night Talk this year. So uh, we have two cases we're going to be discussing today really briefly. The first one is, of course, the F-35s to Turkey case. Now, this is a pretty simple, pretty easy case to refute, I think, going negative. Um But first, what is it? So for those of whom aren't familiar, one of the top teams, I think the second or third ranked team in the country right now, um, is running a case, or they have run a case to uh, basically end the sale or transfer of uh, F-35s, fighter jets, to Turkey. Now, this is an interesting case because... um, there's a lot of uh, factors involved, but really, I think it's it's a fun case to debate because it's not food aid. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I have to be food aid needs to die in the hole. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, if I, if I sound a little quiet, it's because I I have to uh, speak a little bit lower. Uh, I have a family event going on at my house right now. Not not something I'm part of. My parents are hosting something, so be a little bit quieter quieter in today's episode. But uh, anyway, guys, so. With that being established, the case, of course, uh, it's a bit unclear whether it's aid or sales, uh, which actually leads to perhaps one of the strongest arguments, one of the two strongest arguments against it, uh, which is that this is really not dealing with foreign aid. It's dealing with uh, arguably foreign assistance, which, you know, some people are going to try to define foreign assistance as I think there's I think there's a standard out of uh, the Foreign Assistance Act of like 1961 or something that somehow makes sales arguably permissible, but I, I really disagree with that standard. Um, I, th- I think foreign aid, uh, the best way to define it is the way uh, Investopedia defines it, which is uh, money that one country voluntarily transfers to another, which can take the form of a gift, a grant, or a loan. And of course, the definition goes on to include you know, sort of the scope of what that would entail. But basically, foreign aid is something that's voluntary. We give it to them with no real expectation of something tangibly in return. Now we may get benefits from from having that sort of partnership or whatever it may be, but we're not we're not getting paid for giving them some sort of service or product uh, under foreign aid. With this, yeah. however, um, and Elijah, if, if you if you want to jump in at any point, you can. Um, <clears throat> you pointed out uh, when we were briefing against this that uh, that this sort of transfer is actually part of an acquisition by the Turkish government to purchase a hundred of the F-35A conventional takeoff and landing variant fighter jets uh, to add to their their military, their air force, something like that. And um, essentially what this means is that this is a contract. This is an ongoing sale that really has nothing to do with um, U.S. aid, 
uh, the U.S. Agency for National Development or, or any of these things. It's just not in the scope of the resolution, um, and it's not topical. That's that's really my opinion on it. Um, um, but uh, that that's yeah. just one of the issues with it. Yeah, I think so. There's a few things. Um, Lockheed Martin, which is the company that makes these F-35s. By the way, the F-35 is a pretty cool fighter jet. I watched a whole half of their promo video. <laughs> like, They're pretty it has, it has some special... It, like, cuts cuts the radar detection in half, so you can, like, um, you can fly over enemy territory without being seen and stuff. So these are pretty nice. These are nice, high-quality um, jets. Right. And something that they wrote down is they have a site specifically for the turkey sale. And it says that Turkey plans to purchase 100. It plans to purchase 100 of the F-35A conventional takeoff landing and landing variant. It's The keyword is purchase, so I would highly recommend using that in a negative. Um, and then also something that's important to point out, uh, that the U.S. So the Russians have their own fighter jet. I don't really know about it, but um, I don't know too much about it, but Basically, the Tur- the Turks are going to have to either choose to buy the Russians' fighter jets or ours, and they're kind of it's kind of been a flip flop between deciding and they still haven't decided. So really, it's not it's not inherent as well as not being topical, right? In my opinion, right. So I, I think um, I want to be careful about about the specifics of this case, uh, but yes. Yeah, so basically, uh, one of the things that the affirmative is going to argue, and this is a great point to use against them is that um, Turkey, which is a U.S. ally, they're part of NATO, um, Turkey is currently buying or pursuing a Russian missile defense system. Now, this is arguably to the benefit of the affirmative who says that, you know, we don't want um, the Russians to have any influence in or access to basically uh, our weapons because, you know, Russian technicians would be servicing Russian missile defense systems on the same basis that U.S. fighter jets would be, uh, not to mention just information sharing between um, any country. Like, if the United States gives our weapons or our technology to another country, um, you know, we're giving them, like, the best of the best of what we have. So if they're sharing anything, whether it's um, information or access or any, any single thing about those jets, about that technology with Russia, our enemy then that's a big national security concern because they could figure out, okay, how do we shoot these down? How do we, um, I don't know, find some way to exploit this this tool, this weapon by the United States so that we can use it against them? Um, so that's a, that's a big concern. But the issue for that, and, and this is where um, the negative benefits a little bit, is that um, currently, uh, well, in response to this whole issue, in response to concerns over national security or um, basically uh, Turkey has to choose the, the whole argument of Turkey should choose American or Russian. You, you can't be on the fence with this. Um, Congress has actually gotten kind of picky about it. They've actually started making some noise and uh, I'm not sure exactly who ordered it or, or the details of how it's gone through. Um, but this is according to Reuters, I believe um, the United States has halted delivery of equipment related to the stealthy F-35 fighter aircraft to Turkey, marking the first concrete U.S. step to block delivery of the jet to the NATO ally in light of Ankara's, or, or I believe that's the, the capital of Turkey, 
planned purchase of a Russian missile defense system. Uh, and I believe it goes down later in either that article or a similar card talking about how the, the Pentagon basically confirmed this. Um, so why is this an issue? Um, this is a big issue for the affirmative because basically there's no, there's no reason to pass this plan. The plan's already passed. Effectively, the sale of these jets is already cut off. And, and even if it wasn't, um, I'm sure there's a whole, whole spiel of arguments you could probably make, <clears throat> excuse me, um, in response to this. Like you, you could probably challenge some of the details that they're claiming, like how much would this really impact national security? Um, I'm not sure that's a great argument, but I, I'm, I'm sure if you dig into this, there are probably some more holes, but I really wouldn't worry about this case. Just uh, print a few articles and or uh, just brief lightly against it, and you'll find that basically this plan's probably not topical, and it's already been done. Um, that's that's the best summary I have. What do you think, Elijah? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting that they already bought from Russians. Uh, on another article from Defense News that basically said that if we don't come through with this F-35 deal, they're basically going to going to buy all the russian fighter jet version um right or the russians are ready basically they're ready to pounce on the sale once if we don't um which it seems like we have if we're we're not basically not going to so right for sure okay so i think we basically covered this so um if you don't have any, any additional thoughts on that elijah i'm going to go ahead and hop over to Okay, so we are back. We've had some technical issues, so uh, might be a weird cut there. Um, but uh, we are recording again. So basically, um, switching topics a little bit to end aid to Israel or freeze aid. She's, excuse me, I should say freeze aid. This is uh, an interesting case. And I think one thing that's good about it um, is, or excuse me, not good about it necessarily, but rather uh, interesting is that this case says freeze aid as opposed to um, as opposed to end aid, which suggests to me that it's something possibly conditional or uh, more nuanced than that. But before we talk about this case, we have a quick word from our sponsors, and Elijah is going to take it away. So um, we have a fantastic sponsor. Uh, Scott Link Media, who directed and produced a film called If My Judges Are Ready. Uh, it's a documentary that follows four students from a stoa club in Texas through an entire year. It begins, it begins with a debate camp and follows them through preparation, wins and losses on the way to qualifying for NITOC. The film follows two seniors, a former TP debater and a first-year uh, speech competitor as they stand up, deliver speeches, make arguments, and are judged. Um, the film is available on Amazon Video, Christian Cinema, and Vimeo On Demand. The website is speechdebatedoc.com. And if you go, if you go to watch.speechdebatedoc.com and use the promo code TPDebate, you will get 30% off this fantastic documentary. Um, I've seen it myself. I watched the entire thing. It's, uh, it's pretty long, and it it really goes in depth on what the emotions are going into around. It's a very well done documentary. I would equate it sim- similar to a, not in content, of course, but in production value to a vice documentary or investigative journalism. It's, 
and it really captures well the mood um, within a lot of d- debate and speech um, rounds. Um, so yeah, uh, go to watch.speechdebate.com and use the promo code TPDebate for 30% off. That's capital T P N D T P D debate um, for 30% off. Um, it's also on Amazon video, Christian cinema and Vimeo on demand. So you guys should go check that out. It's a pretty cool thing. Absolutely. I will even add to that, that uh, I checked out this, uh, this film made by, uh, by Scott Link. And uh, I really think it's a, an interesting film, but more so than that, I think it's something that uh, is a great tool to recruit maybe parents or people who just don't know a lot about speech and debate, but would be interested in getting their kids involved. I think it gives a, a sort of slightly dramatized perspective on uh, competition, but I think it, uh, it really goes in depth and just explaining something that to a lot of people seems very foreign and, and alien. Yeah. Uh, and it's very interesting. It's captivating and uh, you get sort of all perspective. So uh, it was a fun film. I enjoyed watching it and uh, I, I definitely recommend checking it out again, that code, that promo code is TP debate, TP debate, capital T, capital P and capital D in that code for 30% off at watch.speechdebate.com. Check it out guys. It's an awesome, uh, awesome documentary. Okay. So talking about this case end aid or excuse me again, freeze aid to israel so there's some things with this and we're going to talk about all of them but elijah before we get into this i'm curious what is your obviously we don't we don't know all the details about this case this is something um that's being run in california so we don't know the exact reason why they're doing this and we don't know the exact mandate other than basically halting the aid but um for whatever reason it might be what would you say is one of the best arguments i'm curious against this case um, well, freezing. So there's a lot of disadvantages to be written. I think you should want with writing the case, you should start with those and you'll get a start with when you're writing your negative for this case, you should start with the disadvantages because then you'll start to understand why we're doing this because we get a lot of innovation and weapons and technology from our alliance with Israel for desert warfare and, and such. Uh, it's really useful to be allied with Israel. They're basically our base to uh, fight in the Middle East. Um, as to why why the... So we have mandates. We freeze aid to Israel, but we don't know exactly why we're doing so. I would guess that um, I would guess that coming from a West Coast team, and I'm just guessing, this is not this is not um, this, this is, is not fact-based. It's purely speculative. Yeah, it's speculative. Um, I'm guessing that it's probably a Palestine-oriented thing, uh, such the idea that Palestine is being oppressed by Israel. Um, sort of a human rights-esque case. A human rights, yeah, human rights-esque, and especially with their building of uh, settlements um, and the land prior dispute, I would just recommend having a bunch of evidence uh, – in a few pages just on that, just on, and basically, um, from what I've seen as far as facts go, um, there isn't really human rights problem, even though the media talks about it. Um, there isn't really one for that. That is, it's not really, it's not real. There's no human rights problem. Um, 
or at least it's it's perhaps disproportionately reported in countries like yeah. Israel, where you know journalists are actually free to report on stuff like that, as opposed to countries like say Egypt, where if you report on that, you get killed, and hence you know no one knows about the human rights abuses whenever no one is there to freely report on them. Yeah. Right. Um, interesting. So, so I took I took a slightly different perspective on this case than uh, Elijah did, and I, I think I, I agree with Elijah on basically all the issues with it. But uh, I have a feeling I, I don't know. This is this is just sort of a tingle, a debater tingle inside me. It might be totally wrong, but I have a feeling that th- the debater that wrote this probably took the position of, you know, why do we give aid to countries? Well, we give them aid because they need security assurances or they're poor and they need they need some economic help well why do we give aid to israel they're a rich country they're very successful they're democratic they don't seem to be having any serious issues they're not at war they're not you know whatever and so why do we give them more aid than any other country in the entire world well that's a good question so there's a lot of literature out there on this, and a lot of it says that basically we should cut back or get rid of aid to Israel because there's no reason they need it more so than any other country. But here is where it gets a little bit interesting. So uh, I did some digging into it from this perspective because I feel like that's what a lot of teams will argue with this. And aid to Israel is actually a lot more complicated than it seems. So if you look at the dollar amounts, yes, we give them more aid than any other country or at least almost as much aid as, as, as perhaps the other big winners of aid. But here's where it gets complicated. A lot of countries that we give aid to, whether it's, it's literal aid or maybe security assurances that could arguably count as aid, but they're maybe sort of NATO things, um, a lot of aid may have a smaller dollar amount on it, but it has a more significant U.S. presence associated with it. So whenever we have soldiers on the ground, that is a bigger ordeal for the United States to do, and, and it, it takes more liability with it because we have to physically put people on the ground. We have to ensure that you know this U.S. soldier is not going to die. We, we, we have to make sure that um, we have protections in place for that, and maybe that costs money. Maybe, maybe that's just a, a national security concern. That's what it boils down to. With Israel, however, we give them – money and we give them technology and we give them weapons but a lot of that just goes to basically here's an iou and you can use this through through fmf or foreign military financing to uh take this blank check that we've given you or not not blank but you can use this check only on u.s weapons so what happens well all that money funnels back to the united states or most of it through weapons purchases like the iron dome that's a system that we basically funded and helped set up solely for the purposes of defending Israel against missile attacks. What has it done? It saved thousands of lives in Israel, um, and really it has prevented the need for the U.S. to get physically involved in Israel. So arguably, it's been very successful. More so than that, I think there's uh, an additional nuanced, uh, well, not nuanced, but just uh, complicated dynamic you have whenever you're dealing with Israel. So where is Israel geographically? It's in the Middle East, of course, and it's surrounded by a lot of Arab nations. Um, There's obviously not a lot of great relations between the sole Jewish state in the world and a lot of the Arab states. And uh, well, what results from that? 
so historically, we've seen lots of wars take place. We've seen lots of situations where, you know, Israel's been almost on the brink of defeat, but then, you know, they've survived. Um, but all in all, it's, it's not a great footing to be in. But we still give lots of aid to countries that are arguably Israel's enemies, like Egypt or um, maybe not Iran so much, but other countries in the region still. So what happens if we cut off aid just to Israel? And this goes into the disads that uh, Elijah was talking about. Well, not only do we hurt relations with Israel, but we give Israel's enemies, or not necessarily enemies, they, since we've gotten involved on both sides, supporting Israel and Egypt, they become a little bit more friendly. But we give the upper hand, arguably, to countries that are maybe not as much in Israel's interest as we are. And so that raises the stakes for potential conflict between those countries. Um, whenever the U.S. is not a balancing force in the region, that could arguably create a bit of a power vacuum. Um, Elijah, do you want to kind of expand on that? Because I feel like you're a little bit more experienced with that than me. Um, yeah, I'd just say knock them out with disadvantages. Disads are super. I, I just like emphasize and emphasize. Israel is our base. It's our base in the Middle East. We need it there. They're super useful. They're always innovating and stuff. They create new technology all the time, and we get to use that because we're such good friends. I'll point out that we don't have... We have a bunch of agreements currently, but we don't actually have a treaty like we do with other countries. So a counter plan could be just start do a treaty, uh, sign a treaty into law that we're actually going to stay with, that we do more, add, add more things, just get more involved with Israel because there's so many benefits to being with Israel. I think that would be an interesting counter plan and uh, not necessarily topical, um, although I do know that Stoa can allow topical counter, plan, counter plans. Although the, uh, the debate theory is a bit sketchy on that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Interesting. I would I would take a maybe slightly different approach. I like the sort of reverse advocacy approach, however. Um, but I think I think one key thing that we need to remember and that we need to harp on uh, as negative teams going against this case potentially, and this is a case that I would expect to see at Night Talk, is ultimately that Israel is one of the the best nations basically in the entire Middle East. They are democratic. They have a stable, safe government. They're a safe country. I actually have family members who have been to Israel multiple times. Uh, my sister and my mom have, have been there several times. And uh, uh, it's a beautiful country, wonderful country. And it's surrounded, absolutely surrounded by countries full of war, countries full of chaos, countries full of corruption, countries full of human rights abuses, countries full of horrible things, poverty, uh, just utter, utter uh, just horrible situations. And Israel is sort of like a beacon of light in, in, in a dark place is kind of how I think of it. Um, literally, if you go to Israel and you go to the border with Syria, you look on the Israeli side, it's green, it's lush, it's beautiful. There's, there's gardens, there's farms, there's productivity. You look over the border at Syria, the ground is black from all the fires, from all the uh, artillery from all the wars that have taken place. The ground is literally scorched. You, you, you can go and see this. This is, this is not some, some shocking thing. If we 
don't support Israel, say, say it's completely justified to pull out, who do we support? Do we support Iraq? We currently have security aid to Iraq. Do we support Egypt? We have almost as much aid. Well, perhaps not as much. It has been cut down in recent years. I stand corrected. But lots and lots of aid to Egypt. What about Saudi Arabia? What about the United Arab Emirates? What about uh, uh, you know any operations in Syria? Obviously, we don't aid Syria. But but who do we support? Who do we stabilize? in this region, the countries that are obviously not our friends, the countries that have lots of uh, track records of terrorism, of human rights abuses, of horrible things taking place, or do we support the country that supports the United States, that's friendly to the United States, that's friendly to American tourists, that has uh, a stable democratic government that uh, basically keeps the Middle East from completely burning to the ground (laughs) do we support that country or do we support its enemies that want to literally invade it and destroy it um you know obviously that that's not sort of necessarily a dichotomy that we're left with but that's that's what we have to really address because if we want to remove aid to israel we need to talk about well why don't we remove aid to all these other countries as well because anything you can pin on israel is going to be 10 times worse in a lot of the surrounding countries that we give uh billions of dollars worth of aid to as well. So anyway, th- those are sort of my summarizing thoughts on the case. Um, let's cover some really quick, just bullet points that, w- that we could argue on it. Uh, I'll let you go first, Elijah. Okay. Um, so um, topic out, uh, inherency. Israel can't be accused of not spending on its budget. Um, it contributes to its own defense, and um, it doesn't ask for us one soldier. It doesn't ask for us anything. It asks for money, some troops, um, like sales, things like that. Like it asked, it asked for. It doesn't ask for people's lives. It just asks for a little bit of cash here and there to help. Um, significance. Israel isn't the only um, country in the Middle East that gets lots of aid. Um, they're not that different to a lot of countries we give aid to, um, both in the sense of military aid and the aid number overall. Right, so there's there's Jordan, Saudi Arabia, UAE, so lots of other countries. Yeah. Like you said, it's disproportionate if you're only looking at the numbers, but it's really more complicated than that. Right. Uh, and the, also, aid sa- our aid saves U.S. soldiers' lives, and they don't ask for all our – they don't – they don't ask for our soldiers to fight there, um, which so they can protect a key strategic point without having putting our lives on the line. Right. And uh, helps weapons contractors, which when you reverse that can all be applied to um, disadvantages. Right. With, with jobs and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I think, I think you, you nailed it. Uh, so some disads that you could run against this really quickly. You could, you could argue lost defense. You could argue, um, lost innovation, uh, lost benefits to the U.S. economy, because like I said, whenever we give aid to Israel, a lot of that aid just goes to Israel that buying U.S. weapons as opposed to, say, Russian weapons or Chinese weapons or Italian weapons or German weapons. So um, a lot of that money comes back into the U.S. economy. So it's, it's if anything, it's, it's more like uh, corporate welfare for defense contractors than anything else. But uh, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, we could we could damage or lose uh you know, some relations with Israel, um, a country that obviously we're, we're very close with that uh, 
a lot of Americans really support. Uh, and ultimately, we could lose influence over wars and just in general in the region of the Middle East. Uh, there's, a, there's a good article um, that I'll sort of leave as the, the closing thought on this. That, uh, I encourage you all to check out. It's, it's from Vice News, actually, uh, interviewing uh, a man named Ron Pinfold. He is a former researcher at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, so sort of a, an expert on the geopolitics of this region. And the article breaks down a lot of the issues of what would happen if the U.S. cut off aid to uh, Israel. What would happen if we sort of left that country uh, and the region? And then uh, it, it goes into a lot of the other issues like catastrophe or, um, you know, sort of situations with Iran that could take place if the U.S., um, uh, stop getting involved with Israel. And so there's a lot of issues that could happen. There's a lot of good questions that need to be answered, like who do we support with this case? And uh, overall, it's, it's an interesting thing to debate nonetheless. Um, I think that basically wraps it up, guys, for this week. Um, unless, Elijah, if you have anything else to add. Uh, no, I think that's awesome. It. Um, this guy's was a pretty uh, last minute spontaneous episode so I'm sorry if it sounds kind of choppy we've been super busy lately but still trying to put out stuff for you guys and prep for night talk we're going to have more episodes coming soon talking about uh, night talk prep tips talking about uh, we're actually going to be interviewing some people and uh, we might even have some content over the summer uh, in preparation for upcoming resolutions and just general debate tips so stay tuned for that guys hope you have an awesome evening and we will talk to you soon Thank you.